Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, timeless investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, sitting next to Jeff Gannon. Jeff, do the intro. How's it going today? <laughs> it's going very well. How is it going with you? It's it's going well. No, you're gonna you take over this this podcast. This yeah, podcast? yeah, yeah this you, you take one. it over because okay. this is yeah because no, you take the computer because this is what we're doing. We're talking right. today. You tell them what we're doing. What are we doing? All right, we're going to talk about what things uh, stocks you bring to me to write up yep. and why. So on the website, focuscompounding.com. Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. This is promoting the website. All right, go ahead. Okay. Thank you. On the website, focuscompounding.com, I do a bunch of write-ups. They're usually around 2,000 words. Sometimes they're longer. They're, they're longer, but I try to aim for 2,000. They end up being 3,000 usually. So, um, But you bring those ideas to me, mm-hmm. what to write up. At the end of the day, I look in my email, and there's a th- something there telling me what to write up. Correct. And uh, we have a list here of some of the recent ones. The last, uh, I don't, well, we have a lot here, so we'll go over that. So uh, we want to talk about why you pick the ones you do. Sure. Uh, specifically, maybe why you pick those specific stocks sometimes, but also just generally what you're looking for. Okay. So generally, what are you looking for? Are you running a screen? How are you doing it? Yeah, so the first thing I usually do, pull up quick FS too. You're, you're running the ship today. You can do that. I'm okay. not a yeah, uh, technology fine. person. Oh, come on. All right, okay. You've seen me use a phone. Yes, let's see. All right, so we'll pull up quick FS. Type in... Okay, we'll use the ones that we're talking about. Vitreous glass. Okay, mm-hmm. so the first thing I look for is obviously we screen for companies, which I hate, kind of, because uh, you hate the screening, not the companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The screening sometimes could be a bit of a pain because a you're looking at a lot of the same companies, a lot of the screens that we look for. It's a lot of trust and like stuff that we would not be interested in. Okay. I know pretty quickly if it's a business that we'd be interested in. Jeff and I were actually just talking about this. Were we talking about on the podcast? I can't remember. But how you just know pretty much. Oh, yeah, it was an intuition question. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked us on the podcast, like, how much of it, uh, the ideas you pursue is intuition or even investment, intuition as opposed to whatever. And I was saying that, you know, you could look at 100 different companies and you're still looking at it and you're like, yeah, you, I know relatively quickly that it's something that we would not be interested in. Mm-hmm. But on the other end of the spectrum, I know just as quickly if it is something that we'd be interested in. And you've spoken about that too in the past, how your process is really knowing within probably five minutes, this is a company that you'd really would potentially want to buy. And then you spend the rest of your due diligence really doing a bunch of fact checking Mm -hmm. and learning a little bit more about it. Yeah. Um, So my process is we screen, I look through the companies, I put it in, you know, quick FS, kind of do a quick uh, little quick and dirty, I guess you could say on the company. Is this something that we'd be potentially interested in? Now, again, I'll preface this by saying this in itself is probably bad because you can miss out on ideas as well Okay. because, um, you know, it may not look pretty today, but that doesn't mean that it's not an interesting idea. I mean, we've talked about NACO. I think NACO probably wouldn't have screened as good prior to the spin. I mean, it just would have looked different. The only reason that we were reading about it was because there was a spinoff. It yeah. Written, not because it was a spinoff. A lot of people were interested in the other side of it. And then we just read the annual report. That's true for most spinoffs. Yeah. Just, it's a spinoff is happening, so we read the 10K. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. um, but, you know, I'm really just looking for companies where I feel um, 
you know, there's not a lot of catastrophic risk, I guess you could say. Jeff and I talk about this a lot. I don't like headline risk when it comes to businesses, okay. right? So Vitrous Class was a little bit of a different situation. I knew that this would be a business that you would be interested in. Uh, the 10-year median margins of gross profit are 45%, um, looking pretty predictable. Uh, the 10-year CAGR on the company is only 1%, but it's trading at an EV to free cash flow of, call it 10 times, so call that a 10% um, free cash flow yield. If I remember correctly, it has a 4% dividend. I can't remember. Vitreous glass, yeah, I think it's glass. quite is a bit it more? higher than it is that. More. Yeah. yeah, so, because you know. It pays everything out in dividends, basically. So there you yeah. go. So, you know, I was like, okay, this is probably something that was interesting. I remember I read the business description, which they don't have right there. And it's was, like eight to it's over 8% dividend yield, I think, when you when I looked at it. Yeah. yeah. If you look at the return on uh, equity and mm -hmm. return on investment capital, is all very high. Low PE. Read the business description, and I knew this was probably, be, A, it's unique. And this would probably be something that Jeff would be interested in. $21 million market cap. Now that's in yeah. Canadian dollars, but so that's like what in US dollars? Kind of. It's also micro cap. It's not yeah, a big micro difference. cap. Yeah. Very small. Um, yeah. And it hasn't, like, uh, return on equity or something, I think hasn't been below about 20% in like 15 years or something. Yeah. Like any of those years. So that would obviously be something that would be really interesting. That's really unusual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very predictable. And I can't remember if they have long term contracts or not. I know they have some sort of contracts. Which Yeah, that was part I, of the issue reading about it about yeah. what they really disclosed. Um but yeah, they have long they certainly have long term relationships mm -hmm. on both sides, the supply side and the customer sides. Um they don't go into much detail about what their actual contract terms are on stuff. It's not like NACA that one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um but really from just reading about it and looking at the numbers, I figured this would be a company that you'd be interested in. Uh so I put that on a list. Really. Okay. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line with it. I didn't get too in-depth on this company as I have on other businesses, but just from reading the business description. I mean, look, the first thing I'm, I mean, if I read the description, I mean, you know pretty quickly. And people that invest, I mean, you know if that's something that you'd be interested in. Like, we've talked about this before. I feel like you're really agnostic towards what type of business that you'd be interested in, kind of from the offset. I know you, you say are, that, yeah. You don't believe, you don't, you don't agree with me on that. I think that I'm not in terms of the core microeconomics of the business, but in terms of what industry it's in or something, yeah. Because like you told, we'll talk in a second about Stella, uh, Stella Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you had described that business to me at first, I would have said, you know, probably not interested or something. But as soon as you described what they actually do, mm -hmm. then I was very interested in it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the businesses we invest in have some sort of service component to them, even if they're yes. really a commodity thing. I mean, we talk about that. I really like service businesses. Yeah. I really like, you know, low levered service businesses generate a ton of free cash flow, high customer retention rates, long-term contracts, mm -hmm. really finding these businesses that have the least amount of headline risk possible. Okay. Now, the problem is when, you've, when you're looking at these companies, especially in our world, maybe of smaller companies, yeah. even though we don't just own small companies, we own big companies, mm -hmm. the customer concentration That's is incredibly price, high. Yeah. What? That's the problem with Vitreous Glass. Yeah, I was going to say. They have yeah. Basically, they're making all their money from two customers, whereas with, um, like you're talking about, uh, and, and NACO to some extent is making almost all their money from like, a huge amount of the value of the stock is in two customers, basically. But um, compare that to something like computer services or something, which yeah. is dealing with a lot of smaller banks, very low customer concentration risk. We've talked about that with consulting companies, usually very low constant, uh, customer concentration risk. Ad agencies, very low customer concentration risk. And a lot of the same economics. Mm -hmm. So, you know. And, you know, in a lot of sort of my initial filter processes, you were just talking about you take the stock out of it. Is this something that you would potentially want to buy yourself yeah. and be able to hold for the next 10 to 20 years, right? And of course, 20 years is a very long time, but like, let's be realistic about it. Owning a retailer, I'm not sure. I mean, that'd be very tough, right? Who knows where that's going? But a company like Computer Services, a company like Over the Counter Markets, that's a company that companies, in my opinion, 
where it's virtually certain that you could just close your eyes and feel pretty safe about the actual business going forward with it, you know? Yeah. And with uh, Vitrious Glass, if someone came and knocked on our door and said, look, I want to sell this plan in Alberta that has this deal to um, recycle all the glass there and turn it into an input for fiberglass insulation stuff for these customers, we would hear them out. Yeah. That's what I mean. That like That's really the way of thinking about it is, yeah, that would be an interesting business proposition mm-hmm. um, to buy the whole thing. And so if we'd, buy, if we'd really consider buying the whole thing, if someone came up to you, it was a private company, then that's why we would consider buying it as a public company, as a stock, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I was uh, pretty interested. I knew you would be very interested in it. Now, when I did say a lot of the companies that we do focus on have high customer concentration, that's kind of me contradicting myself because I said I like to stay away from businesses where they have massive headline risk. Yeah. And I would argue that companies that have very few customers, that's a form of um, headline risk, I would yeah, say, for sure. I think a lot of people avoid them. I think people are very cautious about yeah. high customer concentration. Yeah, and that's something that has always worried me about. You know, I Now, you could sort of yeah. mitigate that by contracts and stuff like that long-term contracts and everything but uh you know of course that's something that's obviously in the back of my mind when looking at these companies yeah yeah and i tend to see customer concentration risk more as not headline risk but bargaining power issues i think we mentioned um uh what was it crown crafts uh, the company that uh, Walmart is a very big customer yeah. for baby stuff. That kind of thing worries me more, not that Walmart's going to stop buying from them at all, but that Walmart probably has a lot of power in that relationship and stuff like that. So when I look at any of these companies, I'm thinking, well, what's the real relationship in terms of uh, negotiations that you'd have between Vitreous Glass and these customers mm-hmm. and things like that, Yeah. rather than just how much concentration is there, how much bargaining power is there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I don't really have anything else to say about this company. Do you have okay. any questions on it? No, that's good. So let's look at some of the other ones that we have. Okay. Uh, so this is this is um, called a Surface. Okay. And you can touch it. So if you, right. it's touchscreen, and then whoa, you can go like this too <laughs> to find ideas. What do I work on every day? Technology is awesome. <laughs> Jeff works on a Surface. <laughs> okay. Next company, go for it. Uh, so Points International. Uh, Capital Eight. That was the first thing that stood Canadian, out to me. Canadian, you'll pick only Canadians. Apparently. I don't know what's been going on lately. Apparently, we got to change our, <laughs> you don't, our screens You don't a sort bit. out the country thing not to show, to no. show non-only U.S. companies. No. So, if you run a screen with not only uh, U.S. companies, then that would happen. Yeah, yeah. But I thought it was interesting. 10-year Kager was uh, very high. I'm looking right now, 17%. Uh, PE is 17 right? But that doesn't, I mean, for a very capitalite, high free cash flow generated business, that, you know, doesn't mean, I mean, it could be cheap. Uh, EV to free cash flow was seven times, which of course, that's probably what stood out to me most. I think they do pay a dividend. I don't know. I don't remember right now. Um, but the numbers just looked pretty, pretty good, pretty predictable. And then actually when you read the business description mm-hmm. of what they do, um, they try very hard not yeah. to reveal what they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. It says provides e-commerce and technology services to loyalty program operators in the United States. So think like uh, airlines, hotels, etc. And I haven't heard a business that does that, quite honestly, okay. Have it, like that manages that part of the mm-hmm. business. And obviously, customer loyalty points and everything is a massive part of the travel agency, airlines, hotels. I thought it was a unique niche. Haven't heard of companies that do that in the past. So I, naturally, I was really just intrigued to learn about the business itself. Yeah. Not even from an investing standpoint, but um, you know, from looking at the numbers, like I said, eight times EV to free cash flow, um, you know, high growth. I thought it was interesting. If you read the investor presentation on the business itself, um, you know, management's kind of, they're betting on some significant growth. And if they're able to hit that growth, it's uh, it's incredibly cheap. It's kind of like the Monish Pabrai's uh, way that he kind of goes about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with respect to him, I mean, I feel, I mean, in the example that he used for Fiat Chrysler, I think was where if 
he talked about if management hits their expectations, the company's cheap, blah, blah, blah. He made a ton of money. So good investment, Monish. But I just thought it was a very interesting idea. I really did. And you had read the investor presentation early on? Read the investor presentation. So um, they gave like three-year out guidance, basically, or yeah, target. it was or like 2022 20, or something. Yeah, yeah, and it's a number that would mean the stock is very cheap versus what it'll be earning in three years. Yes, and what some investors, that's how, if you read a lot of, write-ups on Valley Investors Club. A lot, of, a lot of people do that. They say, I think I could do this by 2022, and if so, it's trading five times that mm -hmm. number, right? The way Buffett always talks about it is he wants a 15% return today, okay. right? That he feels like is going to grow, right? Or mm -hmm. 10 or 15. Yeah. So I think that's, we tend to think in that regard as well. So I think that's what takes, that's sort of what's different about the way that we do things and what other investors do things. But so eight times even free cash flow, uh, what's that uh, free cash flow yield? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's up there, 12. Yeah. And yeah. then they have, I think, I can't remember. I think they paid dividend, but I don't remember right now. Um, so, you know, naturally I was interested. I was just really interested I, I in the business. I think they do because they've been buying back 4% or 5% okay, good. every year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I did notice that as well, which yeah. I don't think I have that down here. Um, but that's a no. big thing for me. Seeing a company start to buy back a lot of their stock is yeah. very interesting. It's funny that you suggested this stock to me, though, because you know how little I like management's predictions about things. Yeah. Like, I mean, they have three-year projections. <laughs> they're of what they very think. bullish, I will say. Yeah. They have three-year projections of what they think they'll earn, you know, three years out. I Honestly, for any company, I'd rather have details on the past 30 years of their history yeah. and financial history and stuff than I would the three what management thinks the next three years will be like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but because you know, all their competitors are also planning for the next three years too and stuff. You yeah, know? and I, I mean, I thought it was an interesting business. I don't think anyone, I think they're really much, I mean, pretty much the only company doing what they're doing other than the airlines themselves. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about this one before I actually wrote it up. Yeah, yeah. Because I think this one's a very hard business to understand exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way yeah. that they, the way that they, I guess, put up or they have the obligations for the the airline miles and stuff with the companies. Yes, because I mean it's probably easy for them to forecast that growth. So yeah. I mean, you know, look here. The key thing to this whole see, I didn't see this. You picked this before I saw this. But on Quick FS, uh, the key thing is the last row return on invested capital. Yeah. It's negative every single year. Uh, mm -hmm. or almost every single year, which means that they're not investing any capital in the business. So yes. that makes it very interesting. And, and they generate float. So it was just they something... They have to be generating float. Yeah. It was just something, A, I was, I was interested in the numbers. The business sounded you know, quite unique. I could tell it was a service business of some sort, capital light. Uh, you look at the return on invested capital, it's negative, and they're earning... You know, they have, I think he uses mm -hmm. uh, operating profit for his return on invested capital. So to your point, you know, they have negative... Um, capital. Mm -hmm. So it just from the offset, it all looked pretty interesting. And then EV to free cash flow uh, was eight times, 12% free cash flow yield, and it's growing a lot. So I thought it was uh, interesting. And and it's micro cap, $191 yes. million dollar market cap. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember, I think the shares don't even turn over 100% a year. They don't. Yeah. I think if I'm remembering correctly, the beta was more than one. Beta was more than one, yeah. You know, so we we're just. Oh, uh, was it for points? I thought so. I can't remember. At Game host definitely was. I don't yeah. remember if points international was. But, you know, it, from the outside looking in, it looked like something we'd be potentially yeah, interested to learn about. It's yeah. definitely an overlooked stock. Yeah. Good business, uh, trading at a price that would be interesting to, you know, do research on. And I was definitely interested in learning about it myself. I have airline miles. I have, you know, American Airlines cards and stuff like that. Card, not plural, card. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just thought it would be interesting to uh, look at. But again, you know, I think um, when I, I'm, I'm looking for different companies, I'm A, the first thing I, I'm trying to mitigate against is the headline risk. And um, But this company gets... I would say all their profit from 12 airlines. 
That's yes. my best guess. The yeah. company doesn't. They say they work with right like thirty that, something. They work with sixty something, but yeah, only, but only about thirty of them do they yeah. really do anything that I think yeah. makes them profits. And I think that it's only meaningful in about twelve of them. Yeah, but yeah. So no, I just thought it was an interesting business to learn about. Looked good on the numbers. <coughs> uh, I think you like the business itself. I think you get eighty percent uh, initial interest. Did I only give it eighty? Was it ninety? I thought it, it was high. It was it's one of the highest. High, but yeah. just so people, I mean, go to the website, read the actual. Focuscompound.com. Will talk about this in like a you know a podcast where we talk about the write-ups but of all the stocks we're talking about here by far points international is the one that was the most interesting yeah to me. yeah, yeah. capital class is very high actually too but yeah points international is so summarizing high. it's micro cap it's overlooked high returns uh customer you know high retention rate presumably infinite returns on capital and the company tells infinite. you they're going to grow uh, over the yeah. next few years i don't think they have um, that no no, so they just, have cash on hand every day. That's very yeah. significant because of the generates float. float. I mean, we yeah. won't get into all that, but because of their timing, they're getting paid. Uh, they're, they're getting paid basically from you buying stuff on your credit card. The credit card companies pay them within a couple of days, and the airlines don't pay them for about a month and a half. Yeah. So I don't. They don't pay the airlines for about a month and a half for the points. This business is hard to find, figure out. I felt like though. I think until you read the report, you couldn't understand it. it I was, don't think that the presentation does a great job of it. I don't think most of the write-ups that I read do a great job of it. The actual regulatory filings. There have regulatory filings in both countries too. They have them in Canada, where very few of their shares trade, but they are a Canadian company. And then also because they're on Nasdaq, they do have it in the U.S. It's not a 10K, but they do also have a filing there and because probably rules are a little different in the two countries there are slight language differences not in the sense of english and french but there are slight differences in terms of the actual wording they use and some stuff they add to the u.s stuff that was interesting too so reading both of them together the u.s and the canadian regulatory filings is how i based everything on what i think the company really does yeah, yeah. so I, th I thought it was interesting and you thought it was as well yeah and I, I didn't have high hopes for it when i first heard about it from you yeah it's only after reading those filings that i got excited about it yeah cool uh, okay, let's go to what do we got next? All these are on focuscompounding.com. Go to Focus Compounding and uh, you can read them. Stella Jones. Another Canadian company. Another Canadian company. You're, um, That's not really Canadian. Vitreous Glass is really a Canadian yeah, company. Uh -huh. uh, Stella Jones is about two thirds US, one third yeah. Canada, and Points International is really in the i mean it's us and europe but it's heavily heavily us really yeah let me pull it up on the here. employees are in canada but the customers are in the us stella jones mm -hmm. okay um what i so jeff's title for this company long-term contract selling utility poles and railroad ties mm -hmm. add up to a predictable consistent compounder that unfortunately has to use debt to beat the market yeah Unfortunately. Okay, so Stella Jones, I thought it was interesting. I think when I read the business description of them uh, putting in uh, utility poles, I, they do talk about their long-term contracts in their annual report or their 10K, mm -hmm. uh, which was something that stood out to me. Um, the act of installing utility poles I thought was kind of interesting. You know, it seems like a more predictable business. It mm -hmm. is a very predictable business. Um, looking at the 10-year Kager of 19% definitely stood out to me. If I remember right, do they roll up companies a lot? Yes. 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 So they well, do relate. There's one line here that stood out to me completely, which is the second to last one. If you just read the return on equity number for a few years there. Uh, read it. Okay. I can't see from so, this far. All right. So 18%, 15%, 18, 18, 18, 18, yeah. 16, 16, and then we have the most recent years, like 12. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's really interesting and unusual. And I can also see because of the assets and the leverage things and stuff that that's not due to any leverage changing either. Um, so they're, they throughout their business, they have very, very consistent numbers. Now, when you learn about the business, you understand why that is because of pricing stuff that they do. But uh, that's incredibly impressive because normally when a company has numbers like that, it's it's paying out its dividends yeah. and stuff. So it's like not retaining capital. But this business grows constantly. It's... Uh, 
quintupled in mm-hmm. the last 10 years in terms of revenue and stuff like that. So to grow at that rate, like this is, um, we're talking about like double digit uh, percentage growth in revenue, assets, everything, EPS. Doing that at basically the same rate as return on equity, they've barely paid out any capital, is uh, they're doing something that as they grow is the same economics as whatever they were doing before, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. Yeah. yeah and, and when I came across, I think it was only trading at 16 times earnings uh, and EPS 10 year Kager is 13%. But upon actually learning about the business a little bit and uh, they're in the utility um, pole installing business and railroad ties. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. I thought this is a company that Buff would be interested in. That is literally yeah, so exactly pressure treated wood and and yeah. long term contracts. I literally thought this is probably a, com- a company that Buff would be yeah, interested in. So I mean, yeah. let's learn about it. And that's that's the honest truth on why I was interested in it. And it's an overlooked stock, uh, two point five billion dollar market cap. But again, that has nothing to do with the overlookedness of it. And I just thought it was interesting. Very high returning, uh, you know, company. Ten year median margins on return on equity seventeen percent. So I just thought it was interesting to learn about. And again, I mean, I like businesses where, like we've we've spoken about GraphTech before and we mm-hmm. did a, a snap judgment on it. I read the write-up for the from uh, an individual that wrote up a great report. Yeah. And I just, after I read it up, I, I literally was like, I have no idea what I just read. Mm-hmm. I have no idea about it. Because it went into the... I don't know the, what Coke needle the, is. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what graph... I, like, I literally was like, I have no idea what I just read. Right. So, I mean, for me to be interested in an idea, I feel like, and I always talk about this, I need to see it from the customer's perspective. I mean, I was just doing research on Hollywood Bowl, mm-hmm. and I've, I've bowled before, mm-hmm. you know, and it's an interesting uh, industry. So I was like, let's learn about it. Um, you know, Monarch Cement, I know what cement is. Um, you know, Points International, as I said, I'm a customer of American Airlines Points and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I know what that is. So it's it's very hard for me to get interested in an idea if I just visually can't picture it. And, um, you know, Stella Jones, for example, railroad ties and uh, utility poles. Obviously, you see those everywhere. It was something mm-hmm. that I just thought was very interesting. And the numbers looked interesting from looking, uh, you know, sort of from the outside. And upon reading about it a little bit more. I thought it was a company that Berkshire would definitely be interested in. Yeah, at the right price, this is something Berkshire Totally. Buy, yeah. So I thought, let's, let's, uh, let's learn about it. Yeah, Yeah. my only reservation, so just so people know of why this doesn't raise highly some other things, price, because it includes debt and stuff, is pretty high. Like, you know, EVD, but uh, this is saying it's 13 or something. That's not a deal breaker, but it's not super cheap. And the issue is that they can never earn super high returns on capital because they, unfortunately, the wood takes not, that you actually have to have logs sitting out for nine, nine months. Right? months. Yeah. Um, and obviously you've already paid for them. So you're tying up a huge amount in, in inventory and you have to finance that. And it's basically you finance it with financial debt, which is kind of an expensive way to finance that for nine months. So yeah. that's the only issue. It's kind of like the opposite of having float or something. Mm-hmm. They have to tie up a huge amount in actually, um, aging the wood and stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Now uh, let's see. What is going on? Okay, Game Host, which, oh, or we could talk about, let's talk about Sydney Airport. Okay, Sydney Airport, Sydney this is really a company that I was very interested to learn about because, okay. again, from a customer standpoint, I've been in an airport and I've, uh, I'd be interested in learning about, um, you know, the economics behind them. Why mm-hmm. is it so highly levered? That seems yeah. like a business that you could put a ton of leverage on. Think of all the foot traffic that goes in. I've, like I said, I've been in an airport. I've been a customer in, I guess, the convenience stores in the airport, if you right. want to call them convenience stores. So it was, it was uh, something that I just thought was very interesting to learn about. And I wanted to, uh, I figured that's a business that you would be interested in learning a little bit more about. That company, to be fair, was already on your watch list that you haven't written up for the website. Because uh, it's been suggested to me by someone else. Yeah. yeah. So I just thought it was interesting. Um, Never have looked at the economics of an airport before. 
So I was curious to uh, to see what your thoughts so were. So it was on picked it. mostly by the industry. What industry it was in? That one is very the much so. Business model usually a big part of it. The industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. No, it is. Um, like I said, I like service businesses and stuff like that a lot. Uh, but really, this was the um, the industry, and uh, you know, I was curious. You know, a business that could successfully operate with seven times EBITDA EBITDA or debt to EBITDA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's business that I just would be curious to see how, why. So what are some of the ideas that and you the, and their pricing they have price increases and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know so it had I guess from the the outside looking in it looked like something that could be potentially interesting. What so, was your question? Yeah. So what are the businesses you see and don't pass on to me? What do they look like? Hmm. <laughs> what do the runner ups look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I don't even know. I mean, usually the financials okay. are very messy. So, They're well, not. You didn't pass on Badger Daylighting to me. No, Badger Daylighting, I did not. And that um, was probably a fast-growing company or something. Yeah. At least it's faster, faster than Stella Jones. I mean, I'd still be very interested to learn, to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. I really, I read the annual report on it. Um, that's, that's a company that would be interesting. It's another Canadian company. <laughs> we got to change the screens up a little bit. Um, There's no rule against this investment. No, Canada, I'm trying to think right? of other companies that I've looked at that I did not um, pass on to you. I mean, 1-800-Flowers. You haven't okay. read that up for the website. All right, we, that's we, interesting. We one, talked yeah. a little bit about that. I looked at a chocolate company. I can't remember the name right now. It wasn't Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory? It was Rocky Mountain, actually. Which is the franchises it. Yep, yeah. yep, franchises yeah, that it. That one you have to go to and see what one. Have you been I, in one before? No. Yeah, that would be necessary. I've looked at Nathan's Hot Dogs, which we've also okay, talked about on the podcast, yeah. but I didn't pass that on to you. Really, I'm just looking for businesses where I think the price needs to be potentially right. And again, I'm okay. looking from a bird's eye view. So who so, knows? But that, that is part of it. Nathan's and uh, are very training, very, very expensive. Isn't that cheap compared to like growth and stuff? Yeah. Uh, franchise things tend to be pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is it better not to look at the price? Is there some limit where you go, okay, well, 30 times earnings is too much, but yeah. 20 is okay? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, these companies I still pass on, they're trading 17, 18 times earnings. Okay. You know, which, I mean, your rule of thumb is you don't want to pay more than 13 times. What I think the normal yeah, earnings are. normal yeah, yeah. after-tax earnings. Um, you know, but I mean, these companies that are growing and are good businesses, I mean, those are potentially just interesting to learn about. And again, I'm trying to build a watch list. I mean, literally on this Excel spreadsheet that I keep, mm-hmm. I have a... A, I, I'll input a revisit price, and then I'll okay. uh, I have another column for trading close to its 52-week low. I don't know why I do that. I just do it, and then okay. it, it puts it to the top of the spreadsheet if it's uh, either close to our revisit price or near its 52-week low. I'm just trying to build a spreadsheet of just solid businesses mm-hmm. that aren't trading 50 times earnings. Okay, you know ones that we could actually potentially own. We, um, you know, we were. I passed on a company that you haven't read up from the website, and I haven't even done a lot of research on it. I know you haven't either. It's an uh, an a uh, IT business in India, okay. And they uh, they're like a service business. They remind me a lot of CSVI. Okay. And the stock's gone nowhere but down, but the revenue's gone nowhere but up, and free cash flow's Doing gone like nowhere IT but up. IT stuff for financial services. Yeah, I think it, I actually read up the write up on Vic. I think okay. it's trading like eighteen percent free cash flow yield, twenty percent free cash flow yield. You don't generally find ideas from Value Investors Club, no. from Corner Berkshire and Fairfax. No. You said. Have, you asked me once if I'd ever find an idea from Corner Berkshire and Fairfax, and I said, I found one, and Charlie Munger said he read Barron's for, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever, decades and no, found one idea. Corner Berkshire and Fairfax, it kind of just, um, I think I would get lost in the drama. <laughs> would you? I think so, yeah, I okay. really would. I mean, yeah. I, it's more entertaining than anything. But it is cool because it is, you know, it's a cool website. I really do like it. But um, this IT or this uh, Indian 
services company where it reminded me a lot of CSVI. Okay. That's what they do. They handle like the back end for banks and stuff in India and 18%, 20% free cash flow yield. Revenue's gone nowhere but up. Stock's gone nowhere but down. I believe they don't have any debt. If I am remembering correctly, management owns maybe a huge chunk of the company. Again, those are all qualities of things that, um, you know, it's just interesting to take a look at. And then the pattern recognition of really liking CSVI core processing for the banking industry. It's a very predictable business, high customer retention rates. It just fits the mold of everything that we'd be interested in. So I was like, hey, this this could be interesting to uh, take a look at. And um, we don't know if we could even buy it. I don't. We don't know. We're, we've I, been doing a lot of research on, on that because yeah. the laws in India. Yeah, yeah you know. But. So it's like I don't know, but uh, you know, that's something that we'd be interested in. Yeah, but like even Stella Jones. Stella Jones, the, they serve customers that are very predictable. The same yeah. way that CSVI. Yeah, serves customers and what they're doing. I mean, the product itself. I mean, we're probably. I mean, look, 10, 15, 20 years. Are we still going to have utility poles? Probably. Well, they're, yeah, because they last about sixty years. So well, you're not yeah. going to knock them down <laughs> to replace them with something more expensive. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I just thought it was interesting. And again, like I said, I mean, the numbers looked interesting. It was an it was a company that I could visually, you know, see the need for it. And I, I truly thought it was a company that Berkshire would be interested in. So I thought, why not learn about it? Numbers looked great. Trading only seventeen times earnings, growing a ton. Look, if you have a company that can grow eighteen percent you know, per year for the next 10 years and it's trading at 17 times earnings, that screams cheap. Yep. So, you know, I just thought, why not learn about it? So you're going to keep picking stocks and I'm going to keep writing them up at Focus Compounding? Yes, focusedcompounding.com. So why don't you do the outro for everybody? <laughs> I have no idea. What the outro I want to thank everybody so much for <laughs> tuning in today with Mr. Jeff and myself. A little bit different uh, podcast of me talking about ideas. I don't know how much input I gave, but okay. um, at the end of the day, I'm just looking for you know good companies, ones that we could potentially own. Interesting companies. I like businesses where I can uh, physically be the customer and like see the product. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? When I was reading Graph Tech, I my mind just went elsewhere. I was not interested in it. I have to be interested in the idea to potentially, uh, you know, do a lot more due diligence on it. So I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Jeff and myself. If you are on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, thumbs up the video up, leave us a rating review. It goes a very long way. If you want to get access to all of these write-ups, go to focuscompounding.com. Um, Jeff writes a lot of ideas there. So definitely check that out. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in. We will see you in the next podcast. Take care. Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to follow along.